And go ahead and be seated. It's great to have you here again. If you're visiting with us, it's so great that you've chosen this wonderful, beautiful Sunday morning here at the beginning of our year to come and worship with us this morning. Welcome to Lifeway Church. Bienvenidos a Lifeway Church. Uh, where it is exciting, right? The new year is always exciting. And I know for some of us, uh, we're early risers. Uh, for other of us, it's hard to get up in the morning. And, I, you know, I wonder if it's the same thing with the beginning of the year. That probably, probably about the same people, maybe, you know, you start at the beginning of the year, you're chipper, you're ready to go, you're excited, you got all your goals written down, you got them all, you know, categorized in the different areas of your life, and you got all bullet points under each one of them, and and specific action plans on how to make these happen throughout the year, and follow up month by month where you should be by May, where you should be by August, where you should be by November, and how you're going to change the world by the end of the year, right? But for some other of us, we're like, did the year start already? Uh, I don't know, you know. I don't know if I'm ready, but hopefully by now you're kind of, even the slow risers are already getting uh, going as far as your your plans for this year. Amen. And we are excited about all that God did last year here in our ministry uh, and all the different great things that happen in our goals and our plans. But I'm also excited about this year and what God has in store for us this year. Well, next week, it's going to be wonderful because we're going to start off our year with a great workshop. We're going to have Randy McKean from Northern Virginia Church come on out and lead us in our theme for the year, which is radical love. And that's going to be our focus for Lifeway Church in this year. I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, Randy McKean is a wonderful ministry leader. He's a great church there in Northern Virginia. Really a, an example church of growth and impact in their community. He's been in the ministry for many, many years. Led the Boston Church for many years. I know he's going to have great things to tell us and teach us. But another great thing is that Randy wrote a, a book. Him and Kay McKean wrote a book called Radical Love. So if you want to kind of get a head start, I would encourage you to go to Amazon.com. You can order Radical Love by Randy McKean. Uh, a Kindle book is only going to be about 99 cents, I think. Uh, maybe it's $3.99, or you can order the hard copy like uh, uh, my wife already ordered it. She's on it already. I think it would be a great start for you to get going in this year. Amen? Well, I don't know what your plans are for this year. You know, you have goals, resolutions. Uh, as Alex talked about, maybe a gift of the Spirit that you're going to be focusing on, which I think is great. Uh, or maybe some habits you want to develop. You don't want to focus on two or three habits that you want to develop for this year. But today we're going to learn advice or listen to advice from a passionate soul. And that passionate soul is the Apostle Paul. I think without a doubt, if you look at the New Testament, if you look at those that chose to become followers of Jesus after the resurrection of Jesus, Paul is an incredible example of passion. A creative example of dedication for Christ and living his life to the most, to the, to the greatest potential possible. Amen? Well, we're going to look here at Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. We're going to jump right on in, and we're going to get some advice from a passionate soul. And this is what Paul says, I think, great advice for all of us as we begin the year. He says, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, He says, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining toward what is ahead. I press on, press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I mean, can you just feel the passion? You can sense it in his words. Paul saying, you know what? I forget what is behind. And I strain for what is ahead. I press on to reach the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the challenges that we have in striving forward spiritually is forgetting the past. And you can say, you know, Raphael, how do I do this? How do I forget the past? How do I leave it behind me? How do I forget this? It's, it's impossible. It takes a miracle to forget the past. You know, some of us, maybe you're thinking, well, you know, my, my, my spouse ha, uh, has that miracle. He has that power of forgetting. It's amazing how we can forget certain things, but remember others. Isn't that amazing? We have incredible power of recollection in some areas and of forgetting in other areas in our life. But, you know, when the Bible talks about in verse 13 about forgetting, the word in Greek is epilantanominos, which comes from the verb epilantanomai, which means literally I forget or I neglect. So Paul is not talking about you literally forget, like you will never remember it again. It's not going to come to memory. You're going to have spiritual amnesia on something that you did in the past or something that happened in your past. But what he is saying is that I choose to neglect, to ignore. I choose to not dwell on the past and instead focus on striving for the future. Our past is a challenge, isn't it? And we all have a past. We all have hurts from the past. And it brings to mind one of my favorite clips of one of my favorite movies uh, of all time. And I'll go ahead and show it to you right now. What was that? <laughs> the weather. <laughs> Very peculiar. Don't you think? Yeah. Looks like the winds are changing. Ah, uh, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Good! Go on! Get out of here! <laughs> I love that movie. It's awesome. You know, and it really is talking about the past, and the past does hurt. But it's such a challenge to leave it behind, to forget the past. And the challenge for all of us, really, that we learn here from this advice from a passionate soul from Paul is that our past is there to educate. It is there to teach. But it should not dictate our future. And for some of us, if we're learning from our past, hey, that's a great thing. But if your past is holding you back, your past is stopping you from moving forward, is dictating your future. That's not really what God has in mind for every one of us. Amen. You know, what is our past? Well, we have pains of past hurts. All of us have those. And that pain, we carry it along and we could either be educated by that pain or 
It could actually stop us from moving forward. From moving ahead. We have the pang of regrets. How many of you have regrets in your life? Raise your hand if you have regrets. I know. You know, everyone look around. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. You're not alone. You know, we all have regret, but the, the question is, are we learning from it or is it stopping us? You know, all of us have to deal with personal resentments of the past, resentments with individuals, bitterness. We could either learn from that or it can stop us from moving forward. Or even the pride of accomplishment, even good things that we've done in our past can stop us because we dwell on it. We're thinking, man, I was awesome back in high school. It was great. And it's like that story that just keeps getting better and better of that final field goal that you kicked to win the game. And you weren't even on the football team back then, but now you kicked it and you won it. I mean, it's amazing how our past could be so glorious. And our pride of our past accomplishment can stop us or even persistent guilt. Guilt from our past that just we carry along, carry along, carry along. You know, God wants to turn our past into purpose. He wants our story To be his story. He wants him to have an impact on our past so that our future can be different. So that all that past, all the pain, all the regret, all the things that happened in our past can be used for his purposes, for his glory, for great things. You know, if you've decided to follow Jesus, that's an incredible miracle. You are who you are. Good or bad. Your past can be good or can be bad. But, you know, God uses all that, all those experiences, many of them negative experiences, to make you who you are and to use you in a powerful way. You know, what is more powerful to say to somebody, I can relate with you. I could understand what you went, went through. I could understand what you're going through. No one can relate with somebody that doesn't struggle, right? It's good to know that Reese... He's got sins. He's got to change, right? It makes it more relatable. You think, hey, man, I can relate with Reese because I'm a sinner, man. I struggle. Yeah, I was talking to a brother this morning, incredible brother, uh, you know, uh, a great mature brother here in the church. He's, and, and I said, how are you doing? He's, you know, sometimes I have I struggle uh, coming to church. And I said, you know, what? Well, sometimes I struggle coming to church, too. And I'm going to be preaching that Sunday. And he goes, oh, good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. And, you know, sometimes it's good to have company in our misery. Right? Understanding that we do have a past, but God turns that past. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. What an incredible miracle. But, you know, Paul's advice continues on and he says, but one thing I do, and you kind of sense the focus, right? The mindset. One thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, here we see Paul's incredible attitude. You know, if you read before this passage here in verse 13, he's talking about wanting to know Christ. And he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of of, res- of his resurrection. I want to participate in his suffering. This is what Paul says. I want to know Christ so closely that just as Christ suffered, I want to suffer. And he even says, I want to be like him in his death. 
And then he says, not that I have already attained all this. There's a right kind of dissatisfaction in Paul's heart. He understands, you know, I'm not there yet. And I'm not happy I'm not there yet. I mean, I'm happy to live the life of a Christian, but there's a dissatisfaction in me. There's something turbulent in my heart that says, you know, I still got a ways to go. A dissatisfaction with the status quo. A heartbeat for righteousness. A drumbeat to march on spiritually. And then he says, you know, I press on. I press on to that heavenly goal. And he strains for what is ahead. Let me ask you some questions this morning that I think are important for all of us. Do you still harbor that right kind of dissatisfaction? If you are a Christian, a follower of Jesus with a heartbeat, then there's something inside you that says, you know what? This needs to change. This needs to be different. This is not okay. Once you start saying, that's all right, that's when you're in trouble. Because Paul had that sense, a right sense of, of unconformity with the status quo and understand that things need to continue to be better. Does your heart still beat for righteousness? I mean, do you get excited when you read the Bible and your heart beats? And you say, man, I want to do this. I know I'm, I struggle. I know I fall, but this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live. Can you still hear the drumbeat of our continual march towards righteousness? You're in the parade. You're in the race. You're working. You're trying. You're straining. You not only do we have to understand that the past needs to educate us, but not direct our future. But here's another point from Paul's advice. If we coast, we're toast. But in order to thrive, we must strive. Amen. Let's all say it together. You ready? Here we go. If we coast, we're toast. In order to thrive, we must strive. That's the only way we're going to make it. Once you're coasting, that's when we're in trouble. We're just going with the flow. You know, Paul's heart is an education for all of us because it really shows us the kind of heart and passion that each and every single one of us needs to have. Are you coasting spiritually? Are you just in the lazy river to heaven? And thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here already. I made it. I just got to, you know, just hang on. Just hang on the lazy river. I got my raft. You know, I, I'm doing good. And the reality is, if you coast, you're toast. You know, Paul says a little bit more about this, about what this attitude really is. This attitude of forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead and pressing on. He says that all of us then who are mature. So this, this is the mature attitude should take such a view of things. And if in some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. And so Paul says this attitude of forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, this is the mature attitude. You think, well, I thought being mature means being stuffy and serious and, you know, close to the vest. You know, what Paul says that the, a real mature Christian... Is someone who is not coasting. Is someone who is striving. Someone who has that 
dissatisfaction in his heart, who wants to do better for God, who wants to strive for God. That is the mature attitude in Christ. That's real spiritual maturity. And we're going to read a couple of scriptures now from the book of Hebrews, because the book of Hebrews has a lot to say on the subject. We don't know exactly who the author of the book of Hebrews is. Uh, many people actually believe it was the Apostle Paul. There are some similarities in his style of writing and what we see in the writer of the book of Hebrews. But it has a lot to say on this subject. And it's written to a group of Christians who had their had lost their first love and were struggling with returning to their past life, to their Judaism. And we see some words along the lines of what Paul is talking to us about this morning. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter five and verse 11. It says. You know, after Paul's been going on here, or or the writer of Hebrews has been talking about the need for revival, he says, we have much to say about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, like a baby, not solid food. As my daughter, Bianca, would say, you know, this is pretty intense. These are pretty intense words, right? Bianca would say, burn. You need some ice for that burn. And then he goes on, says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You know, this is not a a soft and cuddly lullaby towards change. This is a clear rebuke. And where did this issue originate? What is Paul talking about or towards what issue is Paul talking about in this passage? Well, we see that in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. And it says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. What does Paul say, or what does the writer of Hebrews say? If we coast, we're toast. But to thrive, we must strive. So you got to pay careful attention. you got to be careful. Because it's very easy to drift away. How many of you guys, uh, you know, like the ocean, have been on boats in the ocean? Okay. How many of you are surfers? Okay. How many of you have ever been out in the ocean? Okay. How many of you have ever, like, boogie board or try to kind of swing along the ocean? How many have kids that have gone out into the ocean? Right. How many have kids that have been out in the ocean and you're worried, where are my kids? Okay. One of the things that happens out in the ocean is, is, as the waves are coming in and out is you start in one place and then not too long later, you're like in a whole other place. And we've been there. We've been in the ocean where our kids were younger and they're out there swimming and we're kind of doing stuff in the sand. And we look up, we're like, where are our kids? And we look over towards the left and they've drifted over towards the left. And they don't even know. They don't even understand that they, they've drifted. You know, spiritually, that happens to us. We drift. And sometimes we don't even know that we're drifting. And sometimes we don't even know how 
much we have drifted. How far we have drifted. How far we are from where we should be or how far we are from where we began. As Paul said, let us even live up to what we've already attained. Let's even get back to the starting point. We're not even at the starting point. We're like way, way off. And the writer of Hebrews says, hey, we got to pay attention. we got to think about this. Because if, you, if, we co- if we coast, we're toast. And we're just going with the flow, doing the right things that we know we need to know. i got to go to church. i got to give my contribution. i got, I got to do this and that. And we're just coasting, 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 coasting. We're an autopilot. You've got to be careful. Because before we know it, we've drifted so far away that our heart has drifted away from God. What does the Hebrew writer recommend? You know, as we read the book of Hebrews, and I, I encourage you to, to study it out. If you feel like in your heart you've drifted or you're drifting or you, you have that challenge or you need to pay attention. Book of Hebrews is a good book to read. You know, he recommends to reconnect with the greatness of Jesus. To live by faith, not by sight. To surround yourself with spiritually healthy people. And he recommends that you need more greens in your diet. That's right. He does. He recommends all of us need more greens in our diet. And he says that in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 to 25. All of us need more lettuce in our diet. Amen. And let me tell you, this passage has a lot of lettuce. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 this is what it says. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. We all need more lettuce in our diet. And this has a lot of it for every single one of us. You know, what are the challenges we see here in the scripture? What is the advice to make sure that we do not drift away or we have drifted away? We kind of come back to course. You know, it says we need a functional relationship with God. If you want to understand or make sure you're not Drifting away, or if you have drifted to come back, then you need to have a functional relationship with God. And let me, let me define what functional means. It means it's working. It means it works. Do you have a working relationship with God? If you don't, then you're drifting. You know, it, it tells us that we need to Encourage one another. It says we need to have a functional one another, functional one another relationships. What does functional mean? That it works. Working one another relationships. Do you have working one another relationships? I'm not saying you have buddies, pals. We all have buddies and pals. But you, do you have that iron sharp as iron relationship? Working. Functional. It says we need to have a functional small group life. 
you know, you're part of a group and it's functional. What does that mean? It's working. What does that mean? The group is actually a group. What does that mean? The group actually meets. Often. And you need to have functional church commitment. Where you're saying, hey, you're not in the habit of missing. You're not in the habit of not being present. You're like, hey, I'm there. I understand. Hey, I, I, don't want, to, I want to pay careful attention. I want to make sure I don't drift away. I am there. I'm part of it. I'm not just in the audience. I'm part of the show. You know, functional means working. And if it's not functional, it's what? Dysfunctional. Do you have a dysfunctional relationship with God? Do you have a dysfunctional or dysfunctional one another relationships? Which is, I mean, they're there, but they're not really working. Do you have dysfunctional small groups? You know, I've heard of people saying, hey, you know, uh, can we start a new group? Because our group doesn't meet. Our group doesn't get together. And it's almost like I don't want to talk to the group leader because he's going to get upset to let him know, hey, can we meet? Can we get together? Can we be a group? And I, I challenge you, if you're a group leader, if you don't meet, then let someone else lead the group. Because maybe you're leading the group to make it convenient for you to not have to meet. And you're saying, hey, if I lead the group, at least, you know, I can say when we're going to meet and not meet. And I don't really want to meet. That's pretty deep right there, right? Now, that's the truth. And there are people who have said, hey, can I switch groups? Can I go to another group? And the only reason why they're saying they want to switch groups is not because they don't like the person. They don't like, you know, personalities or they don't get along. As a matter of fact, they probably get along great. They're super awesome buddies. But they're saying, I want to be in a group that actually meets. I want to be in a group that actually meets. And just like that brother asked me in the morning, do you some, you know, I sometimes feel like I don't feel like I don't feel like coming to church. Maybe sometimes you feel like, man, I, I'm so busy. I don't know if I need to go to the group. But whenever I go, I'm glad I went. Aren't you? Like, I'm so glad I went. I mean, I needed it. But if it's not happening, then it's dysfunctional. And you're missing out and you're drifting spiritually. You know, it's time to strive and to kick it into gear. So this morning we have advice from a passionate soul. And really my desire and your desire should be that you are one of those passionate souls. That you are one of those individuals. That you are one of those that decides, hey, you know what? The past is there to educate, but it's not going to dictate my future. It's not going to tell me what I'm going to do from this point forward. And that you're also one of those that says, you know what? If we coast, we're toast. But in order to thrive, we must strive. Let's all say it together loud and clear. If we coast, we're toast. In order to thrive, we must strive. Amen. May God bless you in this year. Amen.